Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Going in Circles Big Monday show. This week, Barry and I are going to talk about the Louisiana Derby, the Grade 2 Louisiana Derby, and it should stay that way. But uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty good race on a long 15-race card on Saturday. We'll talk about that, we'll talk a little bit about... Uh, about the races in Dubai, talk a little bit about uh, a bunch of other stuff too. Uh, we'll be back here in just a minute with the sniper, who's cold, cold weather sniper. Be back here a second. Uh, is this the uh, the chili sniper? <laughs> Very chilly. <laughs> yeah, man, that's. Uh... Our, our weather here is, is spreading south, it appears like. Yeah, just just for today, though. We and actually was... had a, a, a nice day here in uh, upstate New York. I was over at the illustrious Saratoga Harness with about 94 of my close friends. 94? Who were 94? Uh, well, right. our, our man... Everybody's Beansy. there. There's 94 people, and they're all 94 years old. Antoine Spinelli and Beansy and uh, Antoine. The, great, the great chef <laughs> Keith Cummings were all over enjoying a fine day of uh, of chalk. It was chalk was served through it throughout the day. At, uh, at <laughs> Best <today>. served cold. <laughs> uh, I think there was a, a, an exacta that paid a dollar eighty four for a dollar. <laughs> I was gonna say all those yeah. two twenty winners. Yeah, yeah, there was one that paid I think uh, like two eighty that uh, was was actually tight <laughs> it was uh it was, it was like, an overlay but uh but no it got up to 52 oh a balmy 52 that was almost here we were 55 today what well i mean it's back down to like 25 now so but um but no man it's uh there's still a lot of snow and that, and that that's always the depressing part you know the yeah. stupid part is? It was 55, wow. right? It's like yeah. 55 degrees right now. Yes. And I am eating... Ice cream. Close. Blueberry, blueberry slush. A blueberry I'm a, I'm a, slush. I'm a giant slush connoisseur. I like that. I, like I mean, that. The, the, the Jeremiah's Ice near me, they know me by name. You can't go wrong. With, with with slush. No, you know what I do though. I get I get crazy. I get crazy, and I get mango and cherry in the same container combined. Like, yeah, or cherry and coconut. You're like a wicked sugar high. Oh yeah, man. Just say yes. Yeah, this is what I do. I, I like that. I like it. Well, it was kind of a cold weekend for racing. Not uh, quite. Not a, lo- not a lot of action this past weekend. It was uh, pretty barren. <laughs> barren, barren stakes weekend. Uh, the Essex with uh, the coach Wayne Lucas <laughs> dominating, pulling it off, beating the Jinx. The the the. Uh, the firing a guy after he won a million dollar race, Jinx. The horse won the or uh, the Oaklawn handicap last year, and they've promptly fired Dal Stewart, who's the trainer of the horse. <laughs> What's his name? 
the horse that ran uh, the what, what horses won the other day? So many. I can't think of his name. The horse we're talking <laughs> about. He he was what was he third in the last samurai? Yeah, last samurai. Last samurai. Last samurai. But one thing's for sure about last samurai, he loves Oakland. <laughs> um, there is one thing I think the people are calling the Pegasus a key race, and of it's I, I I'm guilty of that. I did call it that. I think it's sort of a key race, but I think it's a key race in that most of these other stakes are so bad, devoid of of actual you know graded stakes talent. Uh, the <laughs> they, they look that much better, and they the run that much had better. all like the leading B teamers, right? I mean, let, let's let's call it what they are. These are not the A team; these were the B team. None of these horses competed in the Breeders' Cup Classic last year. Yeah, but the A team retired. Okay, let's try right. So they're <laughs> they've been they've been elevated to the A team, but not so now we have a different B team. So I, I think that's really what it is, as much as anything, is that we have turnover. a new A team. <laughs> the turnover and. It's it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, they were the. the it was the, like the, the island the of misfit toys. Like, yeah, they're, they, they're basically like the Frank Gore of of racing, <laughs> right? They were just I mean, the ones that were left. Right, Frank Gore was always a good running back, but no one ever said Frank Gore is a great running back, and no one ever said Frank Gore is the best running back in football, or Frank Gore should, you know, uh, if if uh, on your list of all time greats, Frank Gore never made it. Frank Gore just kept playing he never like retired i don't even know if he's still retired he might be playing in like the xfl under a different name but <laughs> he he just he was he just kept you know uh this compiling stats because he never quit he's like 50 years old and he's still playing um but that that's what we have now and there's nothing wrong with that but it's not like our collector's suddenly great now oh he's great because he beat all these horses well he beat those horses, but those horses have all gone on to win races because they're beating up on on other bad horses, and, and that's <laughs> you know it's not like every everyone has, has turned into uh, you know great horses, and 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 it was almost like we knew this was going to happen mm-hmm. because we talked about this extensively post Breeders' Cup last year when oh, everybody every left. We had another retirement. Yeah, everybody left. <laughs> they just said, you know what, I'm out. I mean, this is this is what we're left with, and, and that's fine. And honestly, we've seen bigger fields in those races um, Since... than you generally would, because there's no life is good or flight line or or, or um, Olympiad or someone else to scare anyone out. So, so you know, it is what it is, but. Uh... It's like sometimes I think people like to compare things that really aren't comparable. Like, <laughs> uh, speaking of you know, college basketball, like people making a big deal about Purdue losing. And, and that was an upset. I mean, Fairleigh Dickinson kind of came from nowhere, um, blah, blah, blah. They <laughs> shouldn't even technically been in because the NCAA has some ridiculous rule that uh, teams that move up from Division two to Division one aren't allowed to to play in the NCAA tournament for like three years. Uh, so, so dumb. Fairly Dickinson didn't even win their, their conference championship. They lost by one point to Merrimack, who uh, the alma mater of our, of our guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a guy who disappeared from Saratoga and we've not seen since. <laughs> 
Shardy. I'll be right back. <laughs> here it is in uh, March. We still haven't seen. So. I think he's down here, actually. I think he's in Florida right now. He's he's, he's like Harry Houdini, man. You're looking. <laughs> man, he disappeared for real. <laughs> but anyways, um, like Fairleigh Dickinson was not a bad team. I mean, they don't no, have they were credentials. Good. Purdue stinks. Purdue's not good. <laughs> and uh, I see. I saw Purdue play twice, and both times I, I thought to myself, "This has been a number one team. Are, are, are there like three guys injured? Because they have a giant guy, and they have a, a, a white dude that, that's kind of like a you know a decent player, but everyone else doesn't really look like they're any good." And um, the point I'm trying to make in a roundabout way is that Purdue was a number one seed. <laughs> well. Houston was a number one seed when NC State beat them back in 1980. Was it 1982? Yeah. Except Houston would beat Purdue by 50 if you could, you know, kind of eliminate the the years and just have them match up in uh, some 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 other dimension where they both played <laughs> as, as uh, their agent they they were at the time. So I said beating Purdue is not as big as beating uh, like an all-time legendary team. And of course, people like squawked and started telling me that Georgetown losing to Villanova was a bigger upset. Despite Villanova having played them twice that year and in one game lost by two points. Suddenly it's the greatest upset in history of college basketball. Just that, that, that just was like, you know, know, you and I have discussed it and, and not to get into college basketball, but, um, I guess we're already there. I know. I was gonna say, but but uh, it, it it reminds me of the the whole you know not every grade one is equal. That's what that kind of reminds me of. Yes, you that's know, actually a great segue getting us back on track. <laughs> yeah, because not every grade one is is really a grade one. No, it, it's. You know, there, there was a discussion tonight on Twitter about the Louisiana Derby being a grade two. Um, and in the argument of last year's um, results, because last year's results, we heard that Epicenter shouldn't be champion three-year-old because Louisiana Derby was a grade two and the Santa Anita Derby was a grade one. Even though the Santa Derby had one good horse and uh, it had a sprinter, it had a good horse, and it had, you know, <laughs> that's it, <laughs> that's right. it. Everybody else was, was filling. And, and and that that you know in that um, that line of thinking, we shouldn't be elevating Louisiana Derby. We should be demoting the Santa Anita Derby and the Bluegrass and any other race that's a Grade One that's not a, that shouldn't be a Grade One. But this year's Louisiana Derby should not be a grade one because it's not a grade one field. And I think that people have, uh, a, a, especially the people that, uh, you know, uh, haven't been, I don't want to put this the wrong way, but for people that, that didn't see racing when it was racing, when the derby preps weren't like, a thing that you you won like a lottery ticket and then you know you, you went into hiding before you cashed it on Derby Day, which is kind of like what happens sometimes with these preps. Like <laughs> you know, 
like, oh, we ran, we got our our, our points. So we got the points, gonna, so we're gonna hang out. And not now, now we're gonna anything. put them in the freezer and thaw them out on Derby Day, you know. But um, we shouldn't be making grade one races out of. They're not grade one races. They're not good races in the the grand scheme. When you go back in history and you look at Derby preps, for the most part, you see a good horse or a great horse. And a lot of forgettable horses. A lot of horses you forgot even existed. <clears throat> and in this particular case, and, and now more than ever, because a few people handle so many of the horses and they handle them with kid gloves. You have a 12-horse field in Louisiana on on Saturday. There's two horses in the race that are great stakes winners. Two. And one of them won a grade three, uh, the first... Uh, Two turn grade races last year was uh, what was his name? Not Happy Jack, the new Jack, new Jack, the other Jack, Curly, Curly, Curly Jack. Jack, yeah, <laughs> Curly Jack, uh, yeah, Curly Jack. I, I mean, he hasn't really been all that competitive this year. Not this either. year, no. And, he, and he's one of the the, the greatest stake winners. The other is Instant Coffee. Nobody else in the race has won a greatest stake, and. Someone said, well, you know, it's March of their three-year-old year. This is not like this is August of the two-year-old year, and you can't expect a bunch of greatest stake winners because, hey, they just don't have that many stakes. But there's been a whole lot of stakes run since last April to this March and in, in that 11-month period. A lot of stake races, lots of graded races, probably more than there should be. So when you have a race that has two greatest stake winners out of 12 that should not be a grade one. Grade one is, you, you can't compare that to uh, the other grade ones. I mean, and I, I think, yeah, you're never going to have a quality, right? You're never going to have a grade <laughs> one be, uh, this race is never going to be as good as the, the Kentucky Derby is always going to have more great horses in it than any race for three-year-olds, usually, because... A, it's a 20-horse race, and B, it's the one everyone wants to win. Um, but you can't put the Louisiana Derby virtually any year on par with the Haskell or with the Travers. And I'm not, you know, I wasn't even going to go to you know, the Triple Crown races, but other grade one races for three-year-olds. And that's just for three-year-olds. The Met Mile. Is, is, is lining up this year to be a great race because there's could a lot be, of yeah. really good horses that are in that seven eighths to mile and a sixteenth category. Bill Mott has half of them, but <laughs> um, those are really top flight, legitimate grade one horses, right? Uh, you're talking about Elite Power and um, the horse that won the the horse that made everybody cry in the in the in the Breeders' Cup. Except me, I cried because I bet the other. Oh, horse. Cody's Wish. Yeah, I bet against Cody's Wish, so I cried. For a different reason. For whole, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, these are legitimate Grade One horses. So, how are you going to say the Met Mile in the Louisiana Derby should be considered to be on par with each other? I can't. I mean, it, 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 to me, it's just it just it's so blatantly obvious that these races should be Grade Twos or Grade Threes um, because the you know. The Kentucky Derby is the the ultimate prize, and that should get Grade One status. Same thing with, you know, the Preakness. Historically, 
the best of the best running that race. Same thing with the Belmont. And then beyond that, you really have what the Travers, the Haskell and the Pennsylvania Derby. And that's it. Yeah. Right. I remember last last year when I said the Pennsylvania Derby was like the sixth most important three year old race. And everybody, it like is. Freaked, everybody it like absolutely is. I, I don't oh, understand no, 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 how no, anybody no, no, could, no. could dispute that. The blue, one guy was telling me, oh, the bluegrass. I said, the horse who won the bluegrass got finished off the board or finished third in the, in the Pennsylvania right. Derby. Right. He's third in that race. Yeah. The, the, the Pennsylvania Derby was a far tougher race than the bluegrass was. It, it generally is. It's, it's a late season, it's the last you know, big time race on the dirt for three-year-olds. They have the Hollywood Derby, but that's, um, that's a turf race. I mean, truthfully, if racing wasn't a, 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 a scrambled disaster of a, of a, of a sport mm-hmm. at the top, we would have a second season triple crown of the Haskell, the Travers and the Pennsylvania Derby. I mean, that would just make sense because that's the glamour division. People spend six months to the chagrin of, uh, of Chaplain Tom, who just the derby talk just makes him nuts for whatever reason. <laughs> it's like a whistle for a dog, you know, <laughs> like a dog whistle. Like it just, it's like he's the only one that, that goes nuts over this because everyone else seems to like it. I, I even said to you last week, I said, man, our, our listener numbers for the show are like way up. And then I went back and I, I looked, and every year at this time, it takes up a bit. every year at this time, for some reason, I forget that this is the time of the year when listenership goes up. And there's one reason. It's not because we get any more interesting at this period of, of the year. It's because of the Triple Crown. I like to feel like I hit my stride once, you know, spring comes. I'm a summer guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a summer guy. I'm, a big uh, I'm stagnant in the, in the winter. Yeah, we yeah, we fall off a little bit in December, but uh, you know it's like Christmas, the Christmas yeah. spirit. There you go. But um, you would think that you would say, "Hey, you know what? We have a shitload of momentum coming out of the Triple Crown. Let's keep it going, <laughs> right? Let's by let's... featuring these same horses and connections and rivalries that we've created." But no, what do we do? We can't do that because Mammoth and, and, and Naira and and uh, whoever the hell it is that runs parks um, can't come to a, a a simple agreement. And this is the thing is it would barely cost them any money. In the end, they would probably all make more money if you had more awareness of the races. And awareness of the races is pretty damn high already. But piggyback off the triple crown you have the momentum you have the horses you you've had six or seven months of of people following these horses and to not <laughs> uh to, to not you know use that it, it's just such a racing thing because mm-hmm. the Travers doesn't want to be in the preakness mode and 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 uh you know why why should we help the haskell and, and that's the crazy thing that we've talked about um team times that racing organizations look at each other as the enemy and not uh, the real enemies and it's uh it's 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 kind of crazy it's 
it's totally ludicrous when it, when it could help everybody. And I, I don't know what it would take, what sort of uh, pitch it would take for if you got all these people in the same room together and, and talk this out. But I don't, I don't think it's a hard sell. That wouldn't be a hard sell. Um, it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't. But one thing I, I do want to bring up is um, what's up with the 15 races, man? I think the official um, explanation for the card on Saturday uh, at uh, the fairgrounds is that they had canceled a couple days. So they were trying to make up the races for horsemen. Um, so I guess that's why, but. But they could do that at any time, you know, add a race here and you, there. You, you know what I always preferred? I always preferred the, uh, at the end of the meet to, to just uh, take the purse money, the, the purse <laughs> money that, 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 you know, hadn't been paid out, um, you know, from those days and just distribute it. To, just give it. You give just it distribute away. it to everybody that, that actually did win a race as kind of a bonus. But uh, that it, it's. I, I can't make 15 races. Man. 15 races is tough, man. Well, you know, least... it, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I'm just, you know, looking down on, on these big race days because it's like, it's too much. And then, you know, the day after or the card after the big day is like the worst card in horse racing history. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Right. I mean, how many stakes do you really want to run on a card anyway? Yeah. I, I, I mean, agree. if it's half the card and, and you have 15 races, that's, that's too many. I mean, I got to be honest, <laughs> in, in, in Chuckland, there's 12 races. After race number 12, the last three <laughs> you don't even remember <laughs> do not exist in my world <laughs> i can i can guarantee you one thing i don't know if i'm gonna do good saturday or not do good saturday but but i will not be paying attention to race number 13 14 and 15 from louise from uh, fairgrounds <laughs> those races will just be off the radar but uh um that doesn't mean I won't be paying attention to races from somewhere at that point, but it most likely will not be those three. It'll be Meadowlands. But um, it's been it's been those those are hard cards, man. They last forever. They're hard. They're tough. I mean, in general, I mean, there, there's just <laughs> not much to grab onto early. Then, uh, you know, get into the thick of it, and then. I don't know. It's just it's just a really long day that I think is totally not necessary. Yeah, it's fifteen kind of. That's a lot, man. Like um, thirteen is pushing it. Yeah, and then you go to fifteen. Woo! Those extra two, it, it, you know, half hour apart. No way. No, thank you. That's that's a long day for. Uh... Long day for everyone. Hell, it's a sure. It sure is a long day, but um, you know. And then they have those like, those uh, like backyard lights they got <laughs> at the fairgrounds. Well, 
<laughs> there's like two giant spotlights it looks like on the feed i, I was tell, talking to someone about that today i said well at least they're gonna have the the the, the stakes that um you know the important stakes will be run in daylight for the most part so yeah. so they they ran the the risen star and and like they, they could have issued coal miners hats to the to the jockeys at the half mile pole because you couldn't see a damn thing on the turn because the lights aren't that good. Um, oh man, those lights are bad. Churchill has good lights though. To give him that, Churchill, yes, Churchill does have good lights, but I mean, Churchill does a lot of things that aggravate a lot of people, but. Um, well, the things they do and the things they get right, they really get right. I, I, I can't, you know, That's knock them way. for the things that they do because the things they do, they do well. That's they just good... don't do enough of it. Yes. Yes. I think that that's actually perfectly put, said. I mean, it's, um, I mean, they put in a video screen and it's, uh, it's, you know, massive. <laughs> you can see it, and it doesn't interfere with the races like it does, uh, like Gulfstreams does. Um, you know, they've the only thing they they've put in lately that hasn't worked worth a damn is the uh, turf course. And and I see there's in that wall and the, where that hotel is going to be and all that stuff. That's one thing I don't like. Yeah. Where they come out of the chute and it has that. 30 oh, foot right. wall there like <laughs> yeah the monster the white monster back there yeah yeah that's that's gonna be a, a little didn't bit. they scrap that project uh i don't know they're, they're doing oh they're doing something they're, they're working on the first turn they're, the paddock is like been totally the paddock yeah down man it's gonna be i shouldn't say this but because i really have no idea it sure seems like they got a whole cutting lot close. of work to do. Right, they're cutting it close. That's I mean, what I was thinking. Like, yeah, I mean, the place opens the week before the Derby. So that's what, like like 40-something days? Yeah, like 40, almost 50 days, right? No, I mean, I guess it's, they're, I guess they're on, on, on course because uh, at least that's what they said, they're on course, but... Uh, I mean, looking. Did you look at the uh, the Risen Star at all? No, not not. You're not like you're not like our guy Matt DeSantis who who like rips through these races a week out. Dude, I can't do that. Not that you know. And we're not making fun of Matt. He's our guy. We just you know it's just too far out. I I don't know. It's just way too far out for me. You know, I, I can kind of agree with you, you know, because like you start handicapping the race and and you still got like six days to go. And I'll look at the race two days later and see it differently. Differently. <laughs> totally differently. It's like You know, you get your first impression, you know, when you look at a race, the PPs come out and you, you get a I mean a lot of times you, you, you know a lot of these horses especially on the Triple Crown Trail, because you're watching all the races. Right, you see them. And, and, and they don't run a lot, so you can really recall all their races. <laughs> True. So, you know, you kind of know, like, some of the contenders before you even see the PPs. Then you see the PPs, and you kind of go through and get your first impression. And then this happens to me all the time. Like, I'll be going over it later in the week, and I'll be like, why, Man, I why, did, I, why did I see that? Yeah, like, 
well, you know, did I really like what? What was it I liked about this horse, and and what about this one? What? Why did I not like this one? And and uh... that's one of the things that I try not to do is you know, I usually have a process where I'll you know go through the whole card, just perusing, seeing if I see any horses and any of my stable male horses show up. Um. And then I'll start looking through each race individually from there. But I try to do it closer to race time because I don't want to switch my mind. I don't want to change my mind on anything. You know, once I have my my tickets thought of and, you know, written down and, and whatnot, I try to keep the, the you know, the indecisiveness to, to a minimum. So, Handicapping and, and and making my decisions closer to the race is better for me. Yeah, I hear you. I, I will say that uh, I do like a horse in that race, but I still I'm still I'm and still, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna like him no matter what because I'm, of his I'm still a race, fan of Jace's Road because of honest. his his race last time. I'm I'm um, still a fan. And, and I, I, I clamored for Keith Sermo to make a jock change on single ruler after that one, but uh, he didn't have to pick the coldest jockey in the room to go to. <laughs> there's Come only on, one Keith. colder. I there's talk only... good about you, man. Come on. I wanna... <laughs> there's only one colder. David Cohn? You could have picked David Cohn, the pitcher for the Mets, would, would, would have been a better choice. <laughs> he might have made weight, too. <laughs> I don't think so. I think he's probably fat as a tick now. Um, but, uh, no, I, that horse, I'm, 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 I'm riding with him again. That was, uh, it was a curious trip in the dark. So, I mean, he just... might wind up get, getting a similar, you know, impossible trip again, but I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be overlooked and should be in the 30 to one category. So. So I mean, what whenever... if uh, what if instant coffee basically does the same thing? What do you mean? The Wins same thing, is... same, same thing is like runs almost the exact same race he did uh, his first run over there in Louisiana, um... and wins. What what are you going to feel about him going into the Derby? I, I think the problem with this race in particular is that he drew inside. Yeah. And I mean, for the that's... most part, he's been doing his best work on the outside. Now, his first race, he, he angled to the inside. Uh, Dylan Davis angled him to the rail at the quarter pole, and, and he didn't seem to have any problems, though it, it was, um, you know, he was pretty much clear of the rest of the field. It was one other horse on the outside, Arthur's Ride, who got hurt, by the way. Mm. Uh, so off the Derby Trail, even though he was kind of just, semi-sort on the it. fringes I mean, of it anyway i'll be honest it, you know, horses that are running in allowance races at this point uh, i mean the derby is not very far away right the last round of preps are, are you know a matter of a couple of weeks and if you haven't won a stake race or haven't competed in a stake race by this point the odds are that that you have no chance in the derby because you just don't have the experience and you don't have the credentials but um uh, you know, instant coffee. I, I have a lot of respect for the horse. I actually used him in the Derby Futures in doubles um, with the filly who I think is the best horse of, of the three-year-olds. I shouldn't say the best horse of the three-year-olds, but uh, I really like Punchbowl. 
I think she's the best three-year-old filly that I've seen. I don't even think it's really that close. And I could be wrong, of course, often. But um, I keyed her and doubles in the futures with five or six horses. And Instant Coffee was one of them. Um, not just because of my, my uh, Baltioro obsession, but uh, I think he's a horse that, that might be able to get the mile and a quarter. Um, and he's got a grinding style. If he draws well in the derby and can you know, take a place seventh or eighth, Mm-hmm. And get a fast pace. Um, I think he can be wide, you know, not not have to to be, um, you know, with his style. I don't think he's gonna like have his momentum. He's not gonna make a big run and just get you know pulled out to this post or excuse me, uh, like swing wide to the nine path. Well, but I only asked that I'm, question. I, I, I got to tell you this: I don't think I will be wagering on him in this race. No, on top. I, I almost assuredly will try to beat him. Hmm. But I'm betting single ruler, period. Yeah, I ask because I feel like <clears throat> he's kind of the forgotten horse in, in this whole thing. I mean, I, I've I've heard people talk more about Capit Trice than Instant Coffee at this point. And Instant Coffee's been better. Yeah, I think that partly because he he won an early season um, prep race in January. Yeah. And then, you know, Cox put him on the sidelines, which I hate. I hate that. And perhaps there was a reason why. But I I just don't like. um, Right. If he's there, run him. Yeah. Run him. I, I just don't like skipping preps. Um, I mean, especially with a horse that, that, uh, I mean, he, he's, he's going to have barely sufficient, uh, foundation with this race, win, lose, or draw That'll, that'll be his, his fourth two turn race. Well, the good uh, thing, I one guess, of them like, was way back in October. <clears throat> like you alluded to, he doesn't actually need to win this race, which is probably a good thing. No. And I mean, this is not a great race. This, this is, I thought it was a little strange that people were like, oh my God, look at what a great race. And I'm thinking to myself, well, who's good in there? I mean, Kings Barnes might be okay, but a, as of now, he, he's basically still pioneer, a question mark. He's pioneer of Medina 2.0. That was, that was for our, our, our guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, well, I mean, today that's I, I probably the best off. prep, though. I mean, it, it looks on paper to be the best prep so far. Out of all the ones that have been run. It, it was a good prep, man. It, it was it was definitely a good prep. but Well, no, I mean, the, the, this uh, Louisiana Derby oh, is the best yeah, one to date. It, it, there's a lot of horses in it, but, I mean, there's so many of them that are, are unproven. There's seven horses that haven't even won, have done nothing but break their maiden. Yeah, and the other five are pretty good, though. I mean, considering what we're looking at as a, you know, as a, as a three-year-old crop, this is probably the, you know, like I said, the probably the best race to date as far as derby preps go. True, uh, and, and you're right about that. The, the problem is that it's not because this race is particularly good. It's because right. most of them have been particularly thin. 
Exactly. This is basically a, a, a race full of decent horses. But if the Derby was in July, I would be a lot more excited about this field. But I see a lot of horses with two and three races. And, I mean, this is the Kentucky Derby. If you want to destroy your horse, run them twice and put them in the Derby. See how many times that's worked out. Don't tell me Curlin. <laughs> because if Curlin is, is your example, well, how many Curlins exist? Curlin also won, broke his maiden by 12. You know, he, he, he's a freak. He, he's a freak. Yeah, I mean, it's Curlin. Your horse is probably not Curlin. Um, but that that's the thing is this is the quote unquote modern way, but it's not a good way. It's a bad way. It's a bad way. And, and you want proof of that? Just go to Equibase and go back two, three, four years ago and look at the prep races and see the the list of names of horses that went on and became good horses and look at the vast majority of them who you forgot about and including horses trained by the top guys that are bred by the top stallions out of the top mares that were spent a lot of money on them. Lot, yeah, so some of them aren't even in training anymore, some of them. No, most of them aren't. They're not even, you know, they've, just, they've fallen by the wayside. I mean, listen, and this is a topic that we talk about too much, probably, but getting your sandwich, horses, getting it right, the soup and sandwiches of the world, the helium. I mean, helium needed another race. He had one freaking race on the dirt, period. <laughs> no question he needed another race or two or three. <laughs> uh, I just took a brief look at the. Um, UAE Derby. Of course, most of the horses in there, we don't know who they are. Isn't Doug uh, I think Doug O'Neill's got a maiden in there. Doug O'Neill's got two in there. Doesn't Chuck Fipke have a horse running? He has uh, Cheryl Spite is in the mile on the turf this time. I thought he has a dirt horse, too, that they were trying to backdoor into the Derby. I, th- I thought that was in, uh, yeah, but that's a horse in uh, England. Oh, okay. And it's official going in circles prep, uh, Derby prep season rule that we do not pay attention to those races because <laughs> they've never yielded a runner. <laughs> as soon as one of those races actually has a horse in it, one of those actually gets on an airplane and flies to Louisville to run in the race. We will right, isn't that that B-Jersey horse I'm thinking of, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Chelm- <laughs> the race at Chelmsford. Right, Chelmsford, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we do not pay attention to those races until they actually yield a Derby prep starter. But um, the UA Derby will almost assuredly yield a couple starters. So that race, we, we look at it in a little different uh, a di- little different fashion. And most of the Japanese races, we haven't paid much attention to because, A, it's not easy to watch Japanese racing. It's hard to Yeah, you got to stay up late. Yeah, you got to stay up in the middle of the night. Um. <laughs> You got to hope like TVG has it on, but um, but there is a Japanese horse coming for the Santa Anita Derby, and I'll be honest, he might win if if ever there was a year to, to show up with a horse like that. This is it. This is definitely it. 
Uh, and, he, and he hasn't even been racing at the top tier of the Japanese uh, circuit. He, he's been on the, what I call it, the NAR circuit, which is kind of like the, the Mammoth Park of, uh, of, uh, of Japan. But, but it'll be interesting. I, I like when the foreign horses show up just because I think, A, it's interesting. It makes things, changes it up. We, we could have another 40 to one shot in there that's got no prayer that the people are in there because they're going to get a table in the clubhouse that day. Or we could get a horse, you know, coming from another country that might actually, um, you know, bring some attention to our racing. How many times have we heard on, on the internet what's quote-unquote good for racing or bad for racing? I know what's good for racing, guaranteed, is Japanese horses coming to run here. That's oh, yeah. And they might believe me, if they send their best ones, they're going to give us a, a whipping like the, like, uh, like Charlie Appleby gives us on the turf. Or but, like they give out on every Saudi Cup day. Yeah. But in the <laughs> end, they win all those races. Interest in our racing from them is a, is a net positive for us because it will drive dollars into the pools. The, the betting pools, uh, they're already here from a bloodstock perspective. They've the Japanese have been major buyers at our best auctions <clears throat> for decades. So that that's not a part of the equation. But what is part of the equation is that uh, opening our pools to their money uh, is a, a positive. I just don't see a downside to it, especially since a lot of it will be betting on the Japanese horses. Um, so... So, uh, speaking of which, I think they just tied it up, the Japanese, in the... Uh, the, the World Baseball? World Baseball Cup, yeah, man. That Those games have been nuts. Yeah, they've been really good, actually. <laughs> and I'm not even, like, a huge baseball <laughs> fan. It usually puts me to sleep. Man, the crowds have been into the games. I, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm definitely a baseball fan. Not so much a baseball full game watcher yeah it's like 15 races sometimes right yeah you know though they do they did you know institute these rules to kind of speed things up speed up up the game yeah which which is not a bad thing i mean it might be a little weird but uh and and i mean it's definitely going to cost your team no matter who you are a game at some point someone's going to get balked in or (laughs) the pitcher didn't pick pitch fast enough or, or somebody didn't you know didn't beat the clock and you're gonna get an automatic strike or so, something's gonna happen, but something weird, yeah. But no, that that is the problem with baseball. Is the games are just too long. I mean, even if you go to the game, it's not like you show up to the game at seven oh five start. Like you you leave your house unless you live in you know around the corner. Um, you have to leave early. In a big city, you got to fight traffic. Uh, then you got to find a place to park, and then you know it's so. It's not just the, the the four hours it takes to play the game. It, it's you know the couple hours beforehand, and, and then however long it takes you to get get home. I mean, it becomes like an investment of seven eight hours, easily, which is a lot. And and then, I mean, I, I think that's that's one of the problems with with racing. Though the difference in racing is that if you go to a baseball game, you might miss action in the first and second innings if you're late. That affects the rest of the game. 
in racing, for the most part, uh, if you miss the first Handle. couple of races, it's not going to affect how you bet the the late uh, pick four. You know, uh, <laughs> has no connection to it. The first race doesn't have any connection to race number nine. It's they're un they're they're a series of separate events. Whereas a baseball game or any kind of sport, everything is intertwined from the start to beginning. No, for, for those people that have actually never seen a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> we just dummied it down, just like TVG. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so we got the Dubai races on Saturday morning early. Then we have the, uh, the Louisiana Marathon. And then the following week is... Is when we have um, we have the Florida Derby. Florida Derby. The mayor will be in town for the Florida Derby. By the way, oh man, the mayor and uh, Mrs. Mayor gonna be down yeah, there. Mrs. For, mayor to be four days. Uh, it's, she's already Mrs. Mayor. Trust me. Okay. Trust me. The shots are called by her. <laughs> He's finished. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 they will list them. At the first, they will list them at the wedding as first time gelding. <laughs> but let me explain to you one thing: Lasix will be allowed at the wedding, and it will definitely be allowed at the <laughs> bachelor party. There will be plenty of Lasix because there's a good chance that some blood will be drawn in in, in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> That's uh, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a summer highlight, Oof, man. But uh, yeah, man, triple crown season. It's uh, I cannot triple. Crown it just season. doesn't feel the same. I don't know the, why. The I derby can't. prep season is is legitimately almost over. <laughs> right, and it's like I slept through it almost. It's it's it just it hasn't been as compelling. And I, I can't even pinpoint as to why. I, I think, you know, looking at the Louisiana Derby should tell you why. Mm. Here, here is a, a final round 100-point prep. There's two horses that have won stakes, and one of them was last September. That's rough. <laughs> you I know, mean, you... it's just not been uh, – there just are so few actual um, – Contenders that that have the resumes that look like contenders usually look. If that makes any sense. I mean, yes, no, it makes sense. It's it's uh, it's a thin group. I mean, you look at the horses pointing to the Santa Anita Derby. <laughs> I mean, who were the best horses out out west um, <laughs> this year? Well, reincarnate supposed to run uh, back in in, in Oaklawn. He did not win the uh, the rebel, by the way. Santa Anita press people, um, but uh, the other horse is off the off the the uh, Arabian Night is off the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there's kind of a, a a rumbling that Cave Rock will reemerge in the Santa Anita Derby, but not as a prep for the Derby, but maybe as a prep for the Preakness, Preakness. which is kind of what we had said 
a few weeks back about maybe Arabian Night would do that before they, you know, they actually did the transfers. Well, you know, wouldn't it be funny if, if uh, Arabian Night ran in the Santa Anita Derby and, and galloped and, and, and Baffert and it's the skipped. owners yep. could, could kind of like say, yeah, too bad, Churchill, you're not getting the best horse. Um, which probably be would be the one way that they could get back better than any other way would be to have the Derby, which will still be the Derby, and they're still going to bet a trillion dollars on it. There's still going to be a giant crowd. still going to be a huge economic success. But if the decidedly best horse wasn't running in it <laughs> because of a Churchill Downs policy, that would kind of be... Right, a damper like, on the whole thing. Put an yeah, asterisk yeah. next to the to the race. Another yeah. one, <laughs> another yeah. asterisk. But uh, but that did not happen. But no, that now it's you know Cave Rock's working. Um, well, I, I mean, still, I still have my doubts that he he really is a mount, uh, a mount. Well, even a mount an eighth horse, if he if he gets pressured. Now, I'm going to tell you this with, you know, I don't even know with what, with what sort of commentary this is, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen a three-year-old look as good as Forte. And I don't think I'm going to. There's not much to knock on that horse, man. That's what I mean. He looked excellent in the Fountain Youth. I mean, I, I don't know what a regression would look like for him. It like, probably I'm wouldn't be that bad because of his running style and, and how he runs. He's probably going to be right around it all the time. He's versatile, right? Right. So <clears throat> I, I, I still haven't seen any horse that looked like, you know, usually like last, last year, I remember when Epicenter just kind of stepped up and looked bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else. And that's what Forte looked like. Um, but I haven't seen anybody like that yet, other than him. I mean, he looks awfully good at this point. This this late into the prep season, too. And he's only run once. <laughs> so it's like... I, I couldn't agree more, Barry. I mean, and I guess that's what, you know, I was... Kind then of trying he, to say in a roundabout way that you just put it more succinctly is that we just don't have a whole lot of horses that have, um, you know, typical Derby preparation resumes at this point. And this this point is, I mean, it's late. <laughs> this is right, that, that's it's wild. I mean, it, this is it. <laughs> No, it's it's a strange year. It's it's a definitely a strange year. I don't know. Hopefully, you know, next week we'll see we'll see something special beyond Forte because Forte looked real good. Yeah, Forte did, and and yes, he didn't beat a whole lot. And no, he that, that's the other trip. thing. He didn't beat much, but and and the one thing is that I think that. When we say that these are horses that we like, 
for the Derby, that doesn't mean they're going to win. It just means that we like them because of their credentials, because of their foundation, because of their talent ability, um, their their ability to get the distance. You can still get a terrible trip and just, you know, you, you draw post one and break slow. Um, post one still stinks, no matter what people try to say. Well, it's not as bad. As <laughs> no, yeah, it's okay. not as bad, but it's still no, bad. It's not, it's not an F minus anymore. Now it's just an F. I mean, it's still <laughs> bad. You break a step slow. And you have 18 horses coming over on you. So, I mean, it's Eternal Prince at post two. Which is where post one is now. Most people probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, he was the speed horse. He was probably the MIG's best shot. Of, of winning I was going to say, I remember the MIG doing that interview yeah. uh, in the paddock. And they were they kept talking about how big his hands were for a jockey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, there's so many ways to go with that, but I'm just not gonna go anywhere with it. They kept showing him, and, and I remember it like it's burned into my brain because I I taped it, I videotaped it on the VCR, and I kept playing it back, and it was uh, what was it? Frank Whitaker is that his name, the white-haired uh, guy. Yeah, yeah, he was the one that interviewed him. The great Jim McKay, running McKay. the show. Yeah, I remember that. I remember him too. Jeez. Jim McKay, he he'd run them shows like he was Jason Kidd, man. Just oh, he's just throwing out dimes. Yeah, God, it was awesome then. And and that's not knocking now. It just was. No, then you know, went... we were younger too. When you're younger, everything's got a little bit more of a of, of, of a bigger feel, you know. Yes, yes. But uh, I cash, I cash big on that that derby. Did you? Yeah, I was all <laughs> over spend the buck. I had spend the buck in the futures. I had, I bet him to win. Um, that that was that was a big score for for uh, for teenage Chuck. VCRs were really primitive at that point too. Oh yeah, yeah. We used to we used to tape all the shows, the Harvey Pack show. Oh yeah, I used to have the timer. I used to uh, time. Remember ESPN in... show Chris Lincoln on Tuesdays? Oh Tuesday, yeah, I think Tuesday? Tuesdays at four. Yeah, you used to get it twice because well, not twice, not the same show, but you used to get the one on ESPN and then Inside Racing on the uh, Sports Channel. love that then uh, some of them they used to show the replays from the Meadowlands yeah at night sports yeah. uh, sports uh, <clears throat> sports channel and sports channel used to do the Meadowlands and then um, we would get Rockingham or Suffolk and then uh, they, we, did, we didn't get those <laughs> Los Al they showed Los Al replays too we would get uh, Yonkers W O R used to have Yonkers, Yonkers and Race uh, and Roosevelt. <laughs> Saturday nights, they, they that's that was the big show. OTB, uh, New York City OTB sponsored. They used to give out the 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 races and 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 letters instead of numbers. Yep. The B D Daily Double pays. The G. Stan the G- Bergstein. D- Spencer Ross. We're my gonna go to the bullet, Bob Meyer. My grandmother used to always want the GG double. 
guy was asking the other day about, um, I don't know how Bob Meyer's name got brought up, but on Twitter, I said, man, I got some stories about Bob Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, I mean, he, he was my guy. I mean, Bob Meyer was, was, how do you put it? He was an individual, like a unique person that had some quirks that were like, uh, he was just like the, the, he was a product of his environment. He was a New York city guy, you know, and sometimes New York city people can be a little bit abrasive, a little bit paranoid, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. And, and that was kind of him, but I mean, I, he, he was my friend. I mean, we were, we loved him, but we loved playing for tricks on him, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and he was very sensitive to certain things. Um, and we were racing so much back then uh, at Yonkers. Roosevelt had closed, so it was 12 months a year at Yonkers. And in the summertime, uh, and this was when Naira raced six days a week, all year round, including the winter. Um and one summer when I was there, just started there, um, they decided they were going to go add Sunday nights. They were going six days a week, and then they added Sunday nights, so that made it seven nights a week. And then they Don't kicked work. it up a notch and added <laughs> Tuesday afternoons, too. So we were doing two cards on the Naira Dark Day, which was Tuesday, and you know, seven nights, one afternoon, you know, in addition to having qualifiers. I mean, it, it was just like, we were like <laughs> zombies, but, um, but the bullet, he, he used to come in every day about noon, um, no matter what. And, and the funny thing was like some nights we wouldn't get done till just about midnight. Well, more than a couple nights, and the New York State rules stated at the time we were not allowed to run past twelve oh one a.m. Um, we 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 got real close to it a couple of times. One night there was an accident that took a delay of about twenty five minutes, and it, it pushed us real real close. But um, anyways, so, so he lived in Brooklyn. He would drive home every night. So you imagine driving from Yonkers all over Brooklyn, even though at night, yeah, it's not the traffic like you would be normally, but it's still a pretty good, still a pretty good amount. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and every day he, you know, God knows he'd get home. I don't know, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. He'd be back there at noon at Yonkers because he just was paranoid about, about getting stuck in traffic or, you know, being late. And he just, that was just his way. He was, um, and did you know that that uh, he actually worked? He did Knicks games. What? He was the statistician for Marv Albert in the seventies. Did not know that. Yes, sir, Bob Meyer. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, and he he didn't even really like basketball, which was the funny part about it. <laughs> yeah, didn't you say he was a hockey guy? Baseball, baseball. Oh. Yeah, he was a baseball guy. He was a red. He was a sick Red Sox fan. A guy from Brooklyn, you know, from New York that. And it was How did Sox. that happen? I I don't know, but uh, he he was and he he was unabashedly a Red Sox fan. He'd wear the hat, not the hat, the the jersey or the the t shirt, <laughs> just just to argue with people. He didn't mind arguing. He would always so um, 
so one day, this was the summer that they had, uh, <laughs> it's 30 years ago, so you can joke about things like this, but there was a serial killer out. Uh, the son of Sam. The, the Zodiac. No, no. Oh, the Zodiac gang. The son of Sam was in the 70s. Um, yeah, it was the Zodiac killer. So on the uh, the back page of the Daily News, one day they put like a complete a, a composite, like a police sketch of the Zodiac killer. And there was another racing secretary. It was me and a uh, guy named Ray Goodness. Good, really good guy, man. Um, and we were we were there like all the time because we were taking it. Like I said, we're running all the time. We're taking entries and we race at night. We take entries at eight o'clock, start at eight o'clock in the morning. So we're there all the time. So, uh, there was like a lull in the action. And I said, you know what we should do? We should take Bob's picture from the press guide, <laughs> which was kind of a maniacal look. I mean, it was really like a terrible picture. He, he looked kind of crazed more than usual. <laughs> I said, but what if we could take that and we could superimpose it on this headline? You know, because it's the New York Daily News, a tabloid paper. So, you know, it's a back page and a front page and a back page. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, well, hold on. So um, the guys that used to do the programs uh, got them to help us. And, and we took the picture off the press guide and, and we we blotted out the uh the, the actual Zodiac killer, we put Bob's picture on <laughs> on like a newspaper size you know, paper. <laughs> and and we knew he would go, every day he would come about noon to pick up his programs and get the sports side for, and get the PPs for the for the simulcasting for the thoroughbreds because he, he would bet thoroughbreds every afternoon. So this day we knew he was coming so we, we hung up uh, the picture of Daily News is this the Zodiac Killer with his picture on it? <laughs> so, so he comes in, uh, and I was in the racing office, and the building was the, the the judges were on one side of the hall with the program office. We were on the other side of the hall in the racing office, um, and it was not a real big building. Uh, so you hear him come in, and he's because he was loud too. And he's hearing this and that. And all of a sudden, he starts cursing. You, my master. <laughs> who thought that? Ah. And he's stomping around. He went over to the judges. Of course, the judges were laughing. And, and he's, he finally comes in the racing office. And, and, and I'm like, like doubled over because he is like mad. His face is red. And he, he is like stomping around like a, like a, like a crazed person. And he finally says, I know you two did it. You two did it. And, and he starts <laughs> screaming, you're going to get me killed. Somebody's going to turn me in. The cops will be coming for me. <laughs> he got so pissed off and he ripped it up, man. <laughs> oh, God, he, he would get pissed off. And then, the, you know, like the, the hockey thing, like he didn't know shit about hockey, even though he, he tried to pretend like he did. I know he knew nothing. And <laughs> we had this. um you didn't, you, you know, before there was an internet, in order to find out race results, you had to call a one Use the phone. number. And yeah. they had something called stretch call. And all the tracks were involved in it. Uh, it was a, a company that, um, that put out 
sports scores, two updates. Um, I can't think of the name of the company, but uh, they, they were involved with a lot of different things. I think Sports Eye, somehow they were involved with them because Sports Eye was kind of a, um, it was a third, excuse me, a Harness PP's paper. Oh, yeah. Like a DRM harness. But there mm-hmm. was a lot of wagering, uh, you know, sports wagering stuff. You got to remember, this is a long, long time ago before it was quote unquote legal, but yeah, they they had it. Um, so, uh, um, he what he would do is he had a tape recorder and he would record the race, the last, uh, you know, 30 seconds of the race and give walk we we were we had an office on the roof too um the next to his his booth so he would record the race after he you know went through the the, the payoffs and stuff in the winner circle he'd come down he would give me the tape me or, or ray the tape and we had a a tape player that was hooked into a phone line that went directly to this place uh that would put out the you know the stretch call of the race um but we had to do the uh, the payoffs, so we would put the stretch call in, and then we would call in the payoffs. So we would say, you know, so and so won, you know, paid six eighty, four twenty, three twenty, <laughs> blah blah blah, the two three exactly. Pay. So, uh, and and he used to give us twenty dollars a night, um, f- to do it for him, you know, because it was his gig. But you know, for us, it was it was free money. Um, so, um, so he comes in one day and he says to me, um, oh, oh, and he showed us how to kind of short circuit the system to get sports scores for free. (laughs) (laughs) So one day he's definitely thorough. He he was always asking about the Red Sox score. I was always, how do Red Sox do? How do Red Sox do? Um, so one day though, he, he's like, I need a score for the, the can you find out what the, the score is for the St. Blue, St. Louis Blues game? And I was like, hockey? Yeah. <laughs> hockey. Bro. I said, you bet hockey? When, what do you know about hockey? You never bet hockey. You know, I, I've been working there a couple of years now, you know, and he had never asked for a hockey score ever. And he's like, just get me the score. Okay. So. I walk in, uh, I, I go back, I bring the tape back. I say, hey, good news, they won. What was the score? Three to two. And he starts cursing. <clears throat> and I was like, <laughs> "Like they won. Like, you know. And then he didn't say anything. I go, you gave goals. You gave goals, didn't you? <laughs> and I remember saying, what kind of sick guy gives goals in hockey? <laughs> like, are you, are you out of your mind? Like, I said, and, and why are you betting hockey anyways? And I said, he told me, get out, get out of the ball, get out, get out. It's bad enough the judges give me, give me shit all the time. I don't need you giving me shit all the time. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he was a good dude. And he loved chalk. He loved to bet chalk, too. And, uh, you know, the very, best, the, the best he, race trackers are the best like bettors are the ones that will tell you how much they don't bet chalk and then end up betting chalk all the time 
Yeah, exactly. Those are my favorite. Exactly. But um, there's just so many characters at the racetrack. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, people it, that work there, or you know, all kinds. I mean, there, there was there was so many characters in the old days. So many. <laughs> and the nicknames for everybody. Yeah, yeah, everybody had a nickname. Most of the time, never knew anybody's real name. Um, by you know, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's it's uh, just call this one guy unnecessary loudness. <laughs> Had no idea what his name was, but he was just unbelievably loud all the time. And we had the dread. We had this guy used to wear this shirt. It's called Big Daddy. We used to call him Big Daddy. <laughs> so funny. So many just randoms. It 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 is so true though. I mean, uh, and you know, even even at Yonkers, I mean, on on Saturday nights and Friday nights, they get good crowds. There'd be a lot of people coming in, and 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 it was just. It was just those races. It was nothing else. They didn't. I don't even think that they did harness uh, simulcasting. I'm, I'm almost positive they didn't. Hmm. Because I remember when there was like big races at the metal ends, we'd ask the simulcast guys to uh, to you know to, to to pick up the signal and send it to us up upstairs in a room. But I don't. I'm almost positive there was no betting on it. You know they weren't showing it. So um, no, it was different. But uh, Man, that that's kind of the thing that, that um, um, you know, you, when you go to a, a racetrack like Saratoga or someplace that that has actual you know people there, um, the experience is so much different than than uh, going to tracks where where, uh, especially on weekdays when there's just nobody there. Oh man, weekday crowds. Or like it's the most calm place on earth is is like a racetrack on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's uh and and you know, I mean not, uh, not to be negative, but some of the tracks they don't even try. Like today it's Saratoga. They they don't even have the concession stand open. It was probably, you know, it was a decent sized crowd. Uh, it wasn't like there was a thousand people there, but um, not for somebody to get a snack. It, it wouldn't have killed them to have someone there to serve, you know, sodas and, and hot dogs and coffee. Yeah, to go to the casino to get you got to walk all the way on the other side, right? So, I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it's just kind of free soda. It, it's kind of the well, we have the free hookup, but you got to pretend like you play slot machines. But um, <laughs> how does that work? There's there's always you know there's always a a caveat. A, yeah, a catch. I'm sorry. How do you pretend to play a slot machine? Well, 
Yes, we're gonna need we're gonna need a video breakdown of that. I can't I can't divulge all my secrets. <laughs> I don't want them shutting them off the free uh the, the free beverages. The free Fanta. <sighs> Fanta. Yeah. No, it's it's just uh, it's just an atmosphere and yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be depressing because it's depressing. Um. Well, anyways, uh, we do want to tell everyone that listens. We do appreciate the fact that you listen. Yeah, we definitely do. And if you want to tell other people to listen, we'll Please give you a T-shirt. Do. Yeah. I don't know when. <laughs> At some point, we're gonna actually get. At them some made. point. But we want to have good ones. We don't want it to be clownish. Right. We don't want our gear to look like fast food, food manager. Yeah, or or you just got. We don't want that recruited out of the circus. We want right. we want it to be kind of cool, you know. Right, we're gonna coordinate, you know. So it might take a little bit of time. But uh, but anyways, well, we do have uh, you know some some good racing action this weekend and. Uh, Are you gonna go to Florida Derby? I am not. I'm I'm working at uh Tampa that oh, day. Oh, you're doing it you're tamping. That's even, yep. that's even and and this Sunday, Florida Cup Day. All right, all right. Big a big uh, couple of weeks for for the sniper. Oh yeah. Giving out doling out the, the goods to the Tampa audience. Emptying the tank. Just giving Firing them Firing it out. Yeah. So uh yeah, Florida Cup Day actually was was a pretty good day last year. Funny enough, I had a really good betting day that day. So hopefully, I can recreate that magic. Oh man, you'll you'll do good. You always give out good info. That's the thing, man. Just giving out good info is is and things to look at outside of the the just the general uh, PPs that everyone else could see for themselves. That that's that's a key, and that's something that we've talked about doing. That I, I don't see right. Why it, it's it, not it, even that difficult. You don't have to ramble on for twenty minutes at a time. You can just give little little snippets here and there, just to little nuggets of knowledge, especially on the betting side. You know, I tried to work some of that in on uh, Tampa Derby Day. And I said, you know, usually when you have a huge favorite, you want to try to connect the dots with a horse that's higher priced to create some value in exotics, stuff like that. The new players might not understand or hear. We give them, we, we give them the, the info. That's that's the thing, man. It's that has been a consistent theme of ours since day one. That we think that more info should be given out, more um, angles that things that you might see that might uh, elude uh, people that that don't maybe look at it as as, as much as as we do or. Uh, don't follow it quite as good because you know that that's kind of the audience that follows along uh, on uh, the in-house signal. But uh, 
but no, that's that's a good thing, and you know, trying to lead people down a a path of of uh, away from the chalk, no chalk zone. Well, if they get anything out of what I tell them, they'll get that, I guess. Because <laughs> I, I I think on on Tampa Derby Day, I think I picked two chalk, and they both won. Yeah. But everybody, every other race, I was I was trying to beat them. It was Tabit Trice and Skippy. Yeah, I mean, this sometimes, like you said, couldn't get around those two. So sometimes betting against the chalk is, is just silly because they just, you know, yes, yeah, Skippy Longstocking just laid over that field. Right, there, and there's occasions where great. <laughs> he's not even that good. No, but he he's just way better than what was in that race. Right. I mean, there, there's occasions where that that's just you just have to accept it. And, and if you're betting them in uh, multi-race wagers, you just can't bet, you know, you not to get into a betting theory, or, you know, argument, uh, but discussion. But, you know, there are times when the free square actually is the free square. And unfortunately, it, it is a. Uh, it's it's a drain on on payoffs because people see it as that and hey maybe they should be four to five and they're three to five or two to five or one to five. Um, well, it's like you if know, you don't really like anyone else in the race, it was like no a fountain of youth trying day. To beat them just for just trying to beat them. If 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 you think that they have a a, a you know a ninety percent chance of winning the race or an eighty percent chance of winning the race, well, it 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 almost doesn't make sense to beat them unless. Um, you know, it, it's just, uh, and some of it's psychological and some of it is also, um, people with small bankrolls don't really have to be concerned as much because they have small bankrolls right? It, and it, they're not actually right. able to, to play, um, I'm not gonna say play properly, but if you don't, if you, if you only have 20 bucks to bet in the pick three, you still shouldn't be betting chalk, chalk, chalk ever because right. you're just wasting money. But, um, you know, j- just betting long shots and, and throwing the chalk completely out sometimes doesn't make sense either. I mean, you got you got to find a strong horse. If you can find a strong single in, in the sequence. Um, well, that's like that ticket I had on uh, Fountain of Youth Day. Where... You know, I, I just didn't think Forte was going to lose. Much as I wanted him not to win, but <laughs> there was just no way. He, he he was just way better than everybody in that race. And I connected it with a horse that paid, I forget what that nine horse paid. Almost paid a hundred bucks, right? Right. Who was a serious overlay. I mean, there's some sequences just not good betting. They're just not right. good betting sequences. And I thought that one was good because of the fact there was some bigger fields. Forte looked really, really solid in the last leg. And if you could connect a, a couple of crazy horses, and, and, it, and it actually happened. Um, <clears throat> I think the first horse in the sequence ended up paying like five to one. Then that horse paid $100 or so. And then another, I think, four to one, and then Forte, and it paid $1,900 for 50 cents. You know, it was a day to do it because it was the big 
you know, big day. You knew money was going to be in that pool as well as the pick five. And if you could get one wacky result and connect it to a logical favorite, you could usually do something with that. And, and, you know, in a pick four, usually pick threes, it gets kind of watered down. Yeah. Picks aren't as good. You need two, you need to be two favorites. Well, especially in places that have 25% takeout on pick threes. Yeah. I mean, like parks, you can't play a pick three at parks. Uh, can't be surprised though how, how many um yeah the pools i see the i see the numbers i don't know on, on some of the pick fours and pick fives especially oh you can yeah. just get one stranger in there you get one horse who pays 25 dollars. um a lot of times you, you'll get especially if you're if you compete in odds on horse yeah that happens a lot in two places that i play and they're both night tracks charlestown and los al You'll get that if you can deviate and get a horse that um, you know plays twenty to one or better in a sequence, you're gonna get paid. Especially at Los Al, they just destroy favorites out there. No, that's the thing is, uh, I mean, we talk all the time about beating favorites and we want to beat the favorites, but we want to beat beatable favorites. Right. We don't want to just chase impossible horses with, because in in the end, you just waste a lot of money too sometimes just trying to beat horses. And, and, you know, this is the one thing that always bothered me about not having exchange wagering, which I I think would have been... uh, a really a boon for someone who bets like me, who's someone who, who looks at races like I do, because there's often uh, horses who are, are f- way over bet as favorites these days, way, way, way over bet. The problem is coming up with the, the proper way of, of identifying that and being able to cash on. You know, right, make the right bet. Right. That's that's so you may thing. not actually like anyone else in the race, but you don't like the favorite, especially if you think the favorite should be uh, you know, you see it as kind of a, a an even money type proposition and they're three to five or two to five. <laughs> or worse, if you think they're they should be nine to five, two to one. Or you happens you, a you, lot these you watch days. them you watch them warm up and you don't like the way they warm up and you think like, this horse might, you know, doesn't look good at all. Th- then uh, you know, under exchange exchange wagering, hell, you you make the market, you put the price. Um, and to me, it was always something that would have been interesting to me. In that, a short field can can be a playable race just because you are giving better than um, the actual odds, and you're going to attract attention that way. And yeah, you got to be really good, especially if they had the takeout too high, which you know always happens. Uh, <laughs> you can't make too many mistakes because you know you're you're gonna get beat some of the time. But um, but to me that was always kind of an interesting way that that I could have played races that that's not available because no one really gave it a shot. And uh, and I I get that it was difficult for the tracks. Uh, and the horsemen to to uh, make enough m- revenue from it, basically. Um, but 
they never would give it a chance. And, and it's, you know, I, I'm not a big believer in the fixed odds as, as the savior because, A, it's the same issue. And then right, how just... are you going to make enough money for the track and the horseman and the purse account without making the takeout too high? If you make the takeout too high, people aren't going to play. Well, then the fixed odds, you're not going to be able to offer, you know, you're booking bets. You know, there's going to be limits. It's just, it's a difficult thing. And and this is the thing that, that also is very difficult to achieve. And that's um, a racetrack taking bets on the same race in two completely different manners. Meaning that on one hand, under paramutual wagering, you your philosophy is to have people bet as much as, as they can because you're getting your piece of the action no matter who they bet, no matter what they bet. From the fixed odds, it's a totally different outlook. Your best players under the paramutual system are your people that, that, that bet the most. Um, and we're, telling, we're not talking, I, we don't want to get into the, the computer angle of the game but under fixed odds right the sharps those are, are the gonna, people gonna that try to can, kill it can destroy you yeah if they have a better opinion than your odds maker does and, and that's the danger in the on one side you're telling the guy bet everything you got and on the other side you're saying oh no we're gonna limit you <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a whale uh and you're used to getting a lot you're used to getting uh, the track's kissing your ass and the track's giving you stuff for wagering tons of money with them. Right, and they and don't then, want fixed odds either. And then they tell you, hey, uh, we're going to limit your action over here to 200 bucks and you're used to playing 5000 a race. You're going to be like, hold on, aren't I one of your big betters? Aren't I one of your you know, chosen few? Aren't I a VIP? You're going to limit my action? Well, if you don't limit their action, they're going to they're gonna beat you. They're not going to beat the other player's in the, like they do in a paramutual system, they're going to beat you because <laughs> it's you against them. And to me, that that would be very difficult knowing track management and how they operate to be able to operate under two different systems. And understandably, yes, they're going to say, well, the fixed odds is going to be operated. We're going to kind of farm that out to a different company. Hmm. Well, that also means that company's got to make money, too. Right, which drives the price up. Well, what'll happen is it'll drive the profits down, which means that they'll be less apt to take big bets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for for a guy that that plays a couple hundred bucks, fixed odds sounds great. For a guy that plays big, it doesn't sound so great. You know. Under as it is now, outside of a a, a minus pool, they they actually did at Saratoga Harness today. They had a, a, a no no show wagering on, on one of the races <laughs> on a never win two, um, never win two paramutual. There was a horse moving up who 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 actually won. He won by about the slimmest of margins. Oh but, man, uh, he had won like four out of the last five. Hit the board every time, and I guess last time he he raced last week they they got hit with a little minus pool. So today no show wagering. Um, but you know, in, in general, the tracks never lose on races. They always make money on races outside of having a negative, you know, show pool. Um, 
on fixed odds, they can lose money. I mean, I, and fast and quickly too. <laughs> I get why why people want it, but by the same token, it has to be feasible. Uh, and I just don't think that that racetracks are run in a manner. Um, no, think about can't. a sports book, right? A sports book has sharp guys running it because if you don't have sharp guys running it, you will be out of business. They will the, the sharps will kill you. If you put bad numbers out there and bad lines, you, you'll get murdered. You're you're if you take way too much action on, on, on one side or another consistently, you, you'll be out of business. I don't know that the people that are going to be doing this are, 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 you know, the sharpest. I don't know. I don't know who they are, but <clears throat> I just, I, I just don't see this as, um, as some savior. And, and I think that's part of the thing. And like I said, I don't want to get into the computer betting thing because there's, there's still so much about it that that's nebulous. But remember one thing. The tracks themselves, the Strana groups, the Churchills, Nairus, they're in bed with these people. They're not getting rid of them. Now, we ask them to do things like mitigate them. Don't let them in certain pools. Make them, uh, you know, shut them out at a certain time so that we don't have late odds changes on wind bets at the very least. But, I mean, to think that they're going to, like, get rid of them that, that's not going to happen because they are them in some ways <laughs> yeah they're, they're they're partners with them and is it uh long term is, is that a a positive no it's a it's a for horse race for horse racing it's it's a terrible negative terrible negative because they're kind of choosing sides and they're not choosing us but it's a bottom line business um, and people that call the shots are looking out for their own bottom lines. They're not looking out for the good of racing. We talk about this, you and I, and, and uh, we've talked about this on, on, on the show before, how in a lot of ways, people that listen to this show, people who, who are, are, are betting or attending the races or owning horses we care about racing a lot more than the people that get paid to care about it do. They do it as a job. We do this because we love it. And there's a difference. And, and I think that I've been, you know, victim of it. I'm sure you've been victim of it, of saying, like, why don't they just do this? This makes sense. This would help racing. This would, you know, what, what's the downside to it? We say that a lot of times, but a lot of times the downside is that is that they they don't love the game. They're not looking to preserve the game. They're looking to extract as much profit out of it as possible. Um, you know, it's almost like how how we view Churchill Downs versus some of the other places. We've almost come to accept that Churchill Downs is just never going to make a decision. It's going to, um not be how can we extract one more cent uh, and people will say well you know they have a fiduciary responsibility yeah they do but but there's also out uh, you know long-term views of things as well 
or you're sacrificing. It's not like every single business that's uh, publicly traded makes every single decision to make the, the most money at that particular time. They do research and development. They put money into uh, into projects that don't work out as well. It's not as though you know they just uh, extract, 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 extract. Um, but the fact remains that that we love racing. Um, they love the revenue that they derive from racing. And, you know, that's that's just another thing that's not going to change, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, we can talk about it to her blue in the face. But, you know, like today, we're, Swift is talking about, you know, Keeneland and Saratoga, and this is what they do. And, you know, well, this is all you have to do is this, 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 and this. <laughs> yeah, if it was that simple, they all do it. You well, know how they would copycat each other. No, anyway. number, number two is tradition. Well, <laughs> how do you copy tradition? <laughs> not, and not to get into that whole topic, because, I mean, honestly, it's about a 30-second discussion. <laughs> uh, how, how do you how do you become, become like Keeneland or Saratoga? You don't. You can't. <laughs> you, you don't. don't. You don't. You can't. You know, it's, it's, it's like saying, okay, take Joel Embiid. Uh, why does he score 30 points a game in the NBA? Well, you know, first thing is he's a seven foot guy. He's seven right feet and he's nasty. Well, yeah, besides that. Well, no, there is no besides that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Just, oh, taking away that. Well, what do you mean taking away that? <laughs> <You know. laughs> well, flight line. How, how could we get a horse like him? Well, you know, uh, oh, well, you know, besides the fact that, you know, he's, he's like supersonic fast, uh, you know, what about everything else? Well, what does that what matter? What difference does it make? That's the you know you you can't simulate Saratoga. You can't simulate Keeneland. You can't simulate um you know different characteristics because it's all a regional thing. And that's another part that racing kind of misses when it tries to homogenize everything. I remember a couple of years ago, Stronic Group they they've gone to this you know branding. Thing, which which is always a little I get branding, but in this business it's such a small business that like your tracks are, are their own brands. Like no one relates Laurel to Santa Anita. There's no correlation between the two. There's there's almost no horseman turnover. One is uh, two three time zones away. Um, like they have nothing in common other than they have the same owner. So why do they need the same graphics pack? It's I don't understand it, and and I'm sure there's a perfectly feasible reason. And I know people like to say, "Well, this is our corporate brand," but but nobody cares. It doesn't help you. It doesn't do anything. It's just it just is what it is. It's just like why track announcers aren't really important, but they are in, in a way. In that you hear the voice, and you 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 hear Richard Grunder's voice tomorrow, and, and what do you think about? Can't pay downs. Exactly. You hear Pete Aiello on. Uh, you, you're at the simulcast, and you hear Pete Isle, and, and you know what you're thinking about? GP. Exactly. You you think well, that that's how that's where a track announcer, you know, gets his importance, and that his voice is associated with your product. Um, but but some of the stuff that that it happens, it just is like, you know, like there's there's just no. It's a regional thing. Some of the tradition that, that certain tracks, some of the things that are done, some of the, um, the 
the traditional races, um, food, food, all, all different things. It's a regional sport in a lot of ways. So, you know, like Del Mar, right? Opening day at Del Mar, it's like a giant thing, right? People from all over come and they get dressed up and this and that. Like, if you tried to do that at Belmont, it would it would be a bust. People you know? throw rotten tomatoes at you. No, it, would, it just wouldn't really work. If, if you tried to do it at Ellis Park, it, it's not going to work because Ellis Park is not located next to the ocean in San Diego where there's, you know, 12 million hot chicks that come out <laughs> in scantily dressed in outfits. <laughs> I mean, I've never been to Delmar opening day and I don't really know what goes on, but every year at Delmar opening day, we see a couple pictures of horses and 3,000 pictures of hot chicks. So, <laughs> you know, it's it might be a sexist thing, but it's it's a it's a thing that the community has ha, has made into a, a special day because it's a big day for them in, in that area. But it's not going to work at a lot of other tracks. If you did it at Louisiana Downs, I'm sure the Shreveport would not become like a hop in place for a day because it's opening day at Louisiana Downs. It, it's it's you know different places have different things and um. You know, it just is. Uh, I mean, hell, what works at Saratoga won't work at Belmont, and vice versa. Very it's, much so. <laughs> and these are tracks that are a couple hours apart, owned by the same people, the same circuit, basically the same horses for the most part, same people. But the location matters. The buildings are completely different. Uh, it, it's just a. It's just a. It's just a waste of time to talk about like. You know, how, how do we take from this to do that? It's like when people talk about Hong Kong all the time. It's like, man, Hong Kong ain't us. It's it's just... There's so many different things about everything they do. <clears throat> you know, the, the whole context around how they, they run their races is totally different. It's just... It's about the racing there, period. Yeah. Not about breeding. Not, not about, uh, uh, you know this big owner or that big owner you have to have uh, you know it, it's it's just it's just different it's it can't be duplicated here not to mention they have different laws laws that's a big thing but um it's great for them and and you know like we were talking about earlier this week and, and it's like man like how did we lose this in racing? Hmm. Over here, the 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 atmosphere and the racing is the focus part that you know we kind of lost here. You know they still have there, but um, and that's not to say that we should emulate them. Or we should. It's just saying that hey, I remember when racing here was still a spectacle, and now it's a spectacle on very few occasions not on a daily basis and i don't know i don't even know where the hell i went why i went down this road because basically we were done (laughs) anyways we're gonna be a short show tonight but we do thank people we do appreciate you listening and uh we love the feedback yes always we're talking to you larry you're our guy even if you get mad at us for not fighting each other 
we don't fight and we don't do videos. Though, though we do have a disagreement on Rick Pitino. Yes. Do not like. Barry's a not a Pitino fan. I actually trained for Rick Pitino. He was actually. Oh, see, you didn't even say that. Yeah, we spoke twice. <laughs> yep. The first time he said, "All right, fax me." This is this is how long it goes. Fax, fax me, me the bill. The, fax me when the horses are in, and, and fax me the bill. Yes, exactly. And uh, the second time was like, "This horse sucks. Should we get rid of it?" <laughs> uh, actually, I used to see Richard, the coach at New Mexico. He used to come by the paddock when we'd run, but Ricardo. But uh, Ricardo Pitino. Yeah. Hey, listen, people are talking about St. John's. They are now. Nobody talked about St. John's uh, for a long time. <laughs> Since They're... Malik Seely was there. Yeah, the great Malik Seely. R.I.P. Felipe Lopez. Oh, Felipe Lopez. Yeah, did I put Malik Seely in the grave? Is Malik Seely dead? I think he is. I know uh, Felipe Lopez. He is right. He is. I thought he was. I don't know. I can't keep track of the dead people anymore. There's another famous Johnny. Bill Chris Wennington. Wennington. Chris Mullen. Willie Glass. My man. My Willie Facebook. Glass. The truth, Walter Berry. Walter Berry? Yeah, Walter Berry. He was the man. In college, he was he was a force. Had that little fadeaway on the block. Yeah. That's why I just don't think that Villanova over Georgetown was the big upset that everyone thinks it was. I mean, no, it was a big upset. but tough. The three times they played him. It was just right. hard for me and you. To, to look at a Big East team beating another Big East team as this biggest upset in, in history because every game those teams played was a war. The war, man. Like, it was crazy. The aggregate score of Georgetown Villanova, the year Villanova upset them, was they played three times, 173 to 166. <laughs> How could three teams play 120 minutes and have a score of 173 and 166, and have one of the wins be the biggest upset of all time. I don't care about the siege or this. Or that. You just explain to me how three teams can play that many minutes and be seven points apart after after three games, and you're going to tell me that the upset was the biggest upset in history. No way. Bigger than a bunch of guys who are uh, Thurl Bailey and, and G Leaguers before they even had the G League. <laughs> Thurl Bailey beat beat Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. And I mean, you know, you you even go back and you, you watch the thirty for thirty, and it kind of, um, you know, goes through the whole thing about NC State and the run. They weren't even going to make the tournament until they they made they ran the table in the ACC tournament. Uh, then they got, you know, fortunate to win a couple of the games in the NCAs. They they were dead to rights a few times, but um, the fact of the matter was that Houston's coach made some of the 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 most egregious bad decisions in that game 
in the history of, of college basketball. And tactical errors. He left Clyde Drexler in with three fouls in the first half. <laughs> and then he slowed it down. He had the, the, the greatest run-and-gun team uh, to that point in, in, in college basketball. Like they, they had a freaking nickname. And, you know, the one thing that, that, that I, I think that, you know, it's easy to overlook now, but we never saw Houston play. All we saw were scores, highlights, and highlights on Sports Center, and the highlights were always them dunking, dunking on everybody, on everyone, right, and crushing <laughs> them. And then we finally saw them play, and people even forget this. And this is how you know this is how old we are, Stone Ages, <laughs> Stone Age Barry and Chuck. But back then, the NCAA tournament, they didn't show every game. No, they showed one game. And then they switch it around, right? And you but, just see scores, yeah. but and for the most part, the, that year when Houston, they were beating the crap out of everybody, so they didn't switch it to that game very often. And it was a regional thing. We were in the Northeast; we didn't see Houston. We saw them in the national games once they got to the the, the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Then all those games were televised, and we saw them destroy Villanova, who was a good Big Ten, a Big East team. And then they played that famous game against Louisville in the first uh, the first round of the, the first Final round. Four, mm-hmm. where it was like a dunk fest. And and they finally put Louisville away and then and, and beat them by what like thirteen or fourteen. And nobody thought NC State could could beat them. Nobody thought they could beat them. To say that that no one thought that Villanova could beat Georgetown when they they had played them earlier in the year and lost by two. They they lost by two and by seven. They just didn't have Pat. They played the greatest game that could probably be played Villanova when they beat Georgetown. And they needed to. I mean, they, they literally missed like one shot the whole second half. <laughs> it was like a brilliant coaching. It was a brilliant execution. But And, and it was an upset. There's no doubt it was an upset. Unquestionably it was an upset. But it wasn't that big of an upset. That was a media creation. If you lived somewhere other than the East where we saw all the games, we saw all the Big East games. They were on every freaking, they were on three nights, four Big Monday. That's how we got our show name. And we knew that those teams weren't that different. I mean, that that, that was the year that there was three of the, of the four final four teams were Big East teams. That's how strong the Big East was. You can't tell me that <laughs> another one of the Big East teams Beating one of them is the, the world's biggest upset. It just isn't. It just isn't. It wasn't even bigger. Than, I'm telling you. The fact, the other, there was two teams that I saw in college basketball, and we did not see that much of Houston, like I admit. All we saw was basically destructions. But <laughs> UNOV in 1992. Oh, yeah. It did not look like they, they could lose to another college team. I mean, I remember they played Arkansas, who I think was ranked number like number three at the time. And Arkansas was good. They were nasty. Really good. And they went to Arkansas and played played them on like a Sunday afternoon at like And three. whooped them by like twenty. And and they just Arkansas played them good for about fifteen minutes. And then they just wore them down and took over. And by the end, it was it was like it was like inevitable. 
it was like inevitable. They just you you were gonna at some point you were gonna crack, and they just had they you know had too much. But Duke beating them, and Duke was a great team. But you know, they had beat Duke the year before by thirty. Right, and I was at that game, and they hadn't lost since that game. So that to me was a far bigger shock to my system. And that's that's an era when, when like college basketball for us was like everything. We were playing. We oh knew, man, we knew a lot of the guys. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, Plastic Man. This was this was we were in tuned to 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 college, especially basketball. that UNLV team, man. With Greg Anthony, Plastic Man. They used to show ESPN showed oh. them all the time. And all had to day, stay up late for every the games. day. But we were, I was in college. Staying up late, it wasn't no big deal. But they were, um, you know, just a, a, that's still, to me, it's just hard to believe that that, that they did it. And and honestly, Coach K, that game made him. I mean, he, he was obviously a great coach by then, but that was the game that really gave him, like, the, legendary stuff. Yeah. It's like, like like when Jerkins beat Secretary a couple times. Like he had been a great trainer before, and he had, you know was winning a lot, and uh, he he wasn't even training like the top bred horses. He was training mostly horses that Mister Trifus bred. That you know he had his own little program, his own stallions. But um, you know it, it was that's the game that put Coach K on on not on the map, but it, it moved him to a higher level, and it also you know made Duke that much more hated but hmm. uh, but anyways all right well we've blabbed enough for tonight at least i have yes i have also we've we've done a lot of blabbing but uh well we have uh so, so you're gonna be at tampa this weekend yes on sunday all right so we got barry at tampa on sunday we got uh, saturday morning we got some dubai some action those races i gotta tell you man not bad there's some good races on the card there. Uh, the Euros are out in force. The Japanese are there in force. It, it, there's there's some really really good races. Brendan Walsh trying to trying to keep his two for two streak alive in Dubai <laughs> in, in the turf sprint. I'm betting that other horse in the turf sprint. Who I bet every time now. The polo horse, whatever his name is. Because I know as soon as I give up, he'll win and pay like $42. <laughs> but then we have, you know, the marathon from the fairgrounds. and uh, That's right. Next week, we'll we'll talk to you about, about your, uh, your day at Tampa. We'll talk about the, uh, the, the, uh, the Louisiana Derby, whatever happens. And, uh, you know, the, obviously, we'll talk about what happens in Dubai. And uh, the Florida UAE Derby. Derby. How is how is this year's UAE Derby going to affect the Derby? <laughs> Maybe like last year's. Oh man! Uh, and then yeah, we'll we'll have uh, talk about the the last round of the preps. Man, can't believe it's almost here. I know. That's what I mean. This has been ho hum. Not nobody's made a splash yet. Nope. Maybe this week's the week. Yeah. Let's go. Don't forget to make your pick. <sighs> God, I'm so bad about that. I'm, I, yeah, actually, I should make my pick because I know I'm betting. I'm betting 100 to win on, on Ruler 
Zeiss or whatever his name is. There Single you go. ruler. That's my bet. Period. No excuse. No, no screwing around with nothing else. I'm betting a hundred to win on him. He should be at least thirty to one, and that should at least get me back involved. Since every week I forget to put my play in. And the funny thing is, I've, I've, I probably would have lost most of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have hit one of them. I can't remember which one, but uh, I, I would have made one winning wager, and the rest of them would have been losers anyway. So. So, all right. Well, cool, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. Bye.